Welcome to Geared for Growth. Today, a regional focus for the podcast. We're chatting to Ange Cirillo, who's the co-founder and owner of Soul Property Agents in Griffith, New South Wales. Now, we talk specifically about Griffith, the Griffith property market, the main employers and drivers, the types of money you would need to spend for investment grade stock, what sort of yields and days on market and all those sorts of things. But it's also a broader chat about investing in regions and what property investors need to know and investigate and research about the regions before pulling the trigger. Andrew's got some fantastic advice about Griffith and regions like his in New South Wales. It's a great interview and I think you'll really enjoy it. Here's Ange. Ange Cirillo, thanks for joining me on Geared for Growth. Mike, happy to be here. Thanks for, uh, thanks for having me have a chat. It's a pleasure and I'm looking forward to diving into a region because they're definitely in the news at the moment with everyone getting sick of the capital city life uh, mid-pandemic. Before we dive into that though, can you let people know who you are and what you specialise in? Yeah, sure, Mike. Um, I'm a local real estate agent. I'm born and raised in Griffith. Um, we've been very fortunate enough to make some big decisions and uh, start our own boutique real estate business here in town uh, after doing, I guess, a 20-year apprenticeship is, uh, is what I describe it as. Uh, but, yeah, mate, we specialise and we specialise in, in all things real estate here in Griffith, so uh, the full suite of services. And uh, we diverse a little bit into some other markets that most real estate agents don't get to experience with uh, things like water trading. Um, and, and things around the rural and primary production industry, which um, yeah, which make it very interesting and very fun. Mm, yes, we. I don't think we've even mentioned water trading on this uh, podcast yet. And what um, posters were on the bedroom wall growing up? Um, well, there's probably a few I can't share in this interview, Mike. But uh, <laughs> you know, there was um, a, a typical '80s nerd on the inside, mate. I uh, I love Transformers, uh, Voltron was one of the big things that I uh, that I loved watching when I was a kid. Astro Boy is still uh, one of my favourites. Um, but I was lucky, mate, I'm born and raised on a, on a horticultural property, so the best poster I had was the window where I got to look out over a vineyard every day. Oh, wow. That's a very romantic picture you're, pa- you're painting there, <laughs> Astro Boy and wine. Uh, yeah. What about, uh, what about property? How did you get started first in property and what was your first investment? Yeah, Mike, for me, um, it was an interesting journey. So uh, it's <laughs> as a kid, I got to see some of the, uh, I guess, the way that real estate was done back in the day. So being on a farm and a, and a smaller horticultural property, there was always an agent driving up our driveway asking us if we'd like to sell. Um, there were always a property in demand. And as a, young, uh, as a young teenager, I sat back and I thought, wow, this is a pretty cool job. Um, I get to drive around and I get to drive in driveways. I get to meet some people. Quite often, they're very nice people. You get a cup of tea and coffee and uh, and you have a talk about them maybe selling their property and quite often that didn't eventuate. Um, but I just uh, started to get a bit more involved with those conversations with a couple of the locals and, and that inspired me, you know, going through time and when I got to a point in high school to go and do work experience, I chose real estate um, to go and see a bit more of the, the operational side of things. And it was probably just a seed that was planted um, into my head at a young age where I just, you know, could see what the industry could do. Um, I got to learn and see the way that was done at the time. 
and most excitingly been a part of it now for 20 years. So, you know, to, to go full circle on that, um, yeah, it was probably destiny to a point where I, I probably didn't have many other options where I'd end up. I have to say, you know, doing my cursory LinkedIn stalking, your career trajectory is is dead straight a la Roman road style. You know, mountains will be hoed down to get from point A to B as straight as possible. You did some real estate work experience at high school. That place offered you a job as soon as you finished and then it was just a series of moving on to different roles and promotions. It, it does sort of seem very destined. Was there anything else? I mean, I guess coming from a horticultural background, was there, a, you know, was was the old man sort of saying, you know, one day you're going to take over this water trading business, <laughs> my, my young man? <laughs> uh, it, it's funny. Um, on paper, 100%, it does look straight and narrow, Mike. Um, you're right. And I think that was just uh, in line with the energy and the passion that I genuinely have for the job. I, I love what I do. Um, so progressing through the ranks was probably, you know, inevitable. Um, a big part of it's probably got to do with the way that I was brought up. So I, I think I was born in the wrong era sometimes. I'm, I'm the youngest of three boys. My dad's 83 years old. And um, the way I was brought up probably meant that I should have been born in the 60s. So, right. yeah, work ethic was uh, something that was drummed into me at a very, very young age. But whilst that part of the career path looked straight and narrow, mate, I've done, a, I've done a fair few things, worked on the farm, we've done, you know, the family businesses, we've done food, I've had cafes, um, I've been involved in hospitality. It's it, um, straight and narrow on the real estate path on that side of the resume. But, um, yeah, being able to do a lot of things um, from a very young age, which has given me probably a bit of a unique skill set as well. Zigzagging on the side hustles, I suppose. That's a good way and, to describe it. <laughs> and and I have to say, we've had um, we've had quite a few people with interesting sounding names. Um, ben Plochel um, is a good example. Um, <laughs> and and what comes up is the power of the immigrant work ethic. Now I know you've got an Italian background. How much of that do you think uh, takes credit for your hustle today? Uh, it's a huge grounding. So, I mean, other than being taught that you don't have until you can afford and that you don't get anything until you work for it, um, some of the big groundings, you know, the family values, um, all the soppy stuff that you that you sometimes hear, look, they're real for us and, and very, very important, which gives a solid grounding into what I do and what I have done. So, everything I've touched or been involved in, it's treated as, as as if it was my own and that's probably what's allowed me to keep going on what appears to be a straight path. So they're very real things but, mate, in, in the 90s I, I was the kid that had to go and pick 200 boxes of lettuce and then in my school uniform and go and catch the bus to school, um, you know, when I finished school when I was doing my HSC years and I got told that uh, before I'd done any more study I had to go and load, you know, five tonne of grapes by hand. So, I mean, that they were all the real parts that have been you know, uh, the way that I've been brought up and um, and what have installed, you know, the work ethic that I have. And I'm not saying that it's perfect by any means, but uh, it definitely helps run a course and to and to get to certain outcomes and, and to set some goals and achieve them. I love it. Now, you started 
your real estate career, correct me if I'm wrong, in, in property management, or at least you've um, had quite a lot of experience in property management. This being a, a podcast about property investing, I'm interested in in what you learned about property investors and your average investor through that experience. Yeah, Mike, um, it, it's, it's been amazing. So uh, the... <laughs> Real estate in Griffiths is a very special place. We're, we're a little bit unique in some aspects. We've got our own little economy here. Um, even at the moment, it's real, and history proves that there just seems to be this dome where things happen around the country and Griffiths just seems to keep going. Um, and starting very young and learning the ins and outs of what the add-ons are in property management have allowed me to meet so many people. We attract a lot of, um, you know, out-of-town investors to this town for a number of reasons. Um, local people invest here. And I've been able to meet over a long, long time such a massive range of people that look to invest in property for 101 reasons. So it's very, very interesting. I've learned so much and I've learned, most importantly, so many reasons that differ for everyone to be involved in real estate investment. It's... Um, yeah, when you if, you if you had to put it on a big whiteboard, I struggle to fit it all. There's, um, you know, just every other circumstance changes, mm-hmm. and it's it's exciting. It's exciting to see what the triggers are for individuals. Um, you know, there's just so many reasons that people want to get in and, and buy a, a home as an investment or a commercial property as an investment. And you're the man to help them, I suppose. Um, <laughs> now, when it comes to to being a real estate agent, I, I've always kind of thought in my head that the perfect real estate agent is quite the opposite to me. Um, large social network. I mean, I'm a tax nerd. How many friends could I have? Um, <laughs> you know, member 30. of the football. Sorry, say again. Plenty at June 30, I'm sure. Oh, yes. <laughs> Standing room only. Man. Um, you know, it's got to be someone with a large social network, you know, member of a football club, blah, blah, blah. And you've been the member of a football club. And up until recently, you ran the Griffith Leagues Club Friday night raffle. And that sort of begs the question, how is anyone else better connected in the real estate game in Griffith than Ange Cirilla? <laughs> uh, again, Griffith, we're not a huge community. And, um, you know, if you don't know someone and you're in business in this town pretty certain they know who you are so it's um it, it's one of the one of the benefits of being you know in a, in a regional place like griffith but you're right the social networking side look it is it is a factor um and and it is important but a lot of those things that i've done like they're things that i've loved doing too so you know football's always been a passion for me um, I probably did it in reverse. I got involved with coaching and on committees and uh, with the association before my kids were even here and before my kids got playing because I actually had more time to do those parts better um, mm. and I couldn't get dragged into the ideal of, oh, Angie's just doing that because his kid's involved. So, you know, that, that were things that I always just wanted to do as far as interests. Um, you know, the social side of it, you know, the club, I worked at the club for 10 years as a second job or third job or fourth at the time, whatever it was. Um, but, you know, those are all things that, you know, just probably kept aligning me to what my path was going to be in real estate. You know, um, the social networking, yes, but um, public speaking, um, presenting, um, you know, managing, directing, all those sort of things have probably helped shape me be better at what I do as a real estate agent too. So there's some strength in there. Yeah, absolutely. Now, we we, kept men- we keep mentioning Griffith, so... 
I feel like we should talk about that. Um, and unlike the oft-confused postman, we're not talking about Griffith ACT. <laughs> we're talking about Griffith, New South Wales. Can you help us out with where where the bloody hell are you? Yeah, mate, we are in the middle of nowhere, but in the middle of everything. That's what's cool about this place. So we're about 600k south of Sydney, uh, inland obviously, and about 500k north of Melbourne. So uh, we're just closer to uh, – close. Well, we're right on the Murrumbidgee River, which is uh, closer to the Murray border at Vic. Um, what, what Griffith is and why this space is so important is uh, the irrigation industry and primary production, farming, all those things which were one of the core focuses out of the area – um, meant that we had great access to water to do so many famous things with uh, with wine and you know almonds, wheat, rice, cotton. More recently, so um, Griffith in its locality uh, for access to water is the first tick for prime production. But then our ability to distribute north and south to port um, puts a smack bang, you know, right in the guts of it all. So it's uh, it's a special little place. You had me at wine and lost me at almonds. Um, <laughs> but it, it begs the question, can, can you explain some of the main industries? Obviously, primary production is a big one, but are, are there any other main employers of, of Griffith? Yeah, so again, it does stem off what's happened with primary production, but um, Griffith's and Yender's home to Casella Wines, which are the, uh, the owners of the famous brand Yellowtail. So they're one of the massive employers in town. Uh, more recently, with major ex- uh, expansion of um, a local chicken processing industry um, business, which was uh, Barters, uh, was taken over by uh, Steggles, and they've increased production and expansion here. It's it's ridiculous numbers. I think the expansion of the plant's going to be 3 million birds a week. Um, so the numbers are huge. Um, yeah, those sort of production businesses are fantastic, but... A few unknown things about Griffith is, um, I guess, the diversity in which a lot of local businesses have been able to grow. There's um, some really interesting ma- manufacturing here. Um, so there's a there's a company that do massive um, prefab concrete works. So a lot of the bridges you drive over in a lot of places, Colvitz, things like that, a lot of that stuff comes out of here. Um, there's also other companies that uh, own a patent um, for like a deodorizing system in manufacturing plants that goes globally. Um, you know, we do massive, massive manufacturing works here. There's, yeah, there's a lot of other plugins these days that I, I think a lot of locals don't even realize what, what comes out of this town. Yeah, I mean, that is pretty fantastic. And and obviously, the more diverse the economy, the the more positive it is from a property investing point of view. And I, and I want to dive in that um in, in a bit more detail. But before then, I, I guess this next uh, question could be taken as rather insulting, but I know <laughs> you're, a good, you're a good sport. I'm wondered if, wondering if Griffith is one of those places, I'm, I'm sort of picturing like the deep, the deep south where, you know, like <laughs> your son sort of grows up and puts his arm around you and says, Dad, one day I'm going to leave this town. <laughs> is Griffith one of those sorts of places? You know what, Mike? Um, it used to be. It used to be, um, you know, even growing up through the years ourselves with, with a lot of our friends and, and you hear it, you know, a lot of people throw, throw a little bit of dung at Griffith and say it's not that great a place. Um, but we've grown so much that people tend to come back very quickly. It's a, um, it's a brilliant place to raise a family. There's still a lot of affordability here. Um, you know, 
people with energy go and explore these other marketplaces or these other cities for this magic ideal that they believe exists. But for whatever reason, they keep coming back. And, um, you know, it, it's changed so much, particularly in the last 10, 15 years. We've, we've been able to keep growing. And, um, and I think as time goes on, particularly in moments like 2020 with this COVID thing, a lot of people are starting to sit back and really realise how lucky we are here in Griffith and how special this place is. Mm. I guess another way of putting it could have been, what's the population like? Um, I, I was chatting to a, a, a chappie in Canberra who said that um, I think nationally 30,000 people arrive and 20,000 people leave, so it's a net intake of 10,000. Do, do you know what the population's doing in Griffith? Are more people coming than leaving? Uh, it's interesting we have to say yes um, for the simple reason in the industry and in real estate. Obviously, we're seeing you know more more residential development happening. We know that the shortage of stock issues in our marketplace are around availability of new housing. Um, the businesses that have expanded are employing more people. Uh, labour force is big here, so you know these these growing businesses are still employing so many people that they, they need somewhere to live. And, mate, it's a snowball effect in any growing economy. You know, you go to a processing plant that's, you know, quadrupling in size, that's more trucks, which means there's more mechanics, which means there's more tyre sales, which means there's more people driving those trucks. Families are here. Schools are growing. We need more teachers. Doctors are busier. We need more professional services. It's just that really nice sweet spot of natural growth, which Mm. Griffith has demonstrated year on year for a long time. So, yeah. You mentioned um, a bit of a supply shortage, which is interesting, and I think that's one of the reasons why capital cities tend to do well over the long term because there is always a shortage of land, right? You think of Sydney, you can only go so far east before you get wet. If you look at Griffith on a map, it looks like it's just all land. Yeah. Um, Is is the availability of, of, of land... I guess, holding the prices back or the demand is so strong that the developers are just perpetually chasing it? It's it's a combination of both. So you're 100% right. You fly over the top of Griffith, man, you go, well, why, why is there a shortage of availability land to build because you're just surrounded by dirt? Um, but the real part is the chewing up development land for residential um, is actually eating into some of the historical smaller land portions, which were the startups for one of the main parts of the industry. So it's been staggered, but it was funny. So post 2012, everything was sort of running what we call normal. There was good stock. Um, And then for whatever reason, all of a sudden, it was like someone just decided to change gears on the whole thing and everything got caught up. Property that had sat on the market for a fair while got sold um, and it just sort of never caught up from that point. There was a shortage at that point of residential land available right there and then. And you're right, the developers have been playing a little bit of catch up on available land ready to build on at any one time. Hmm. Now, you mentioned before about there being quite a lot of outside investment in Griffith and one of the main reasons why I wanted to to get you on um, to talk about Griffith and regions like Griffith is there's a lot of press about people leaving the capital cities to work remotely. Yes. Uh, I know, for example, an accountant uh, in North Sydney who's buggered off to Orange. <laughs> um, is Griffith seeing any of that happening as part of the great uh, Zoom generation of 2020? 
The Geared for Growth Property Investing Podcast is presented by our business, MCG Quantity Surveyors. If you're an investor or a property professional looking to get the best tax depreciation deductions for yourself or your clients, please get in touch with us at mcgqs.com.au. It's our mission to help as many property investors as we can to maximise their claims and maximise their property education as well. I think it's on its way. Um, From what we can see is, look, the tech side of it has allowed people to choose. Um, There is an uptake in those sort of operations happening and there's a little bit of influence from certain government bodies too, which are seeing the benefit of having facilities set up in regional areas, um, particularly when they're lining up with certain aspects in the regional areas. So it is happening. But a lot of of the growth has been, um, again, year on year, historical migrants. Um, You know, the Italians did it in the 70s, 60s, 70s, 80s. The Indian community has been the next wave in generation here. So their families have been coming, growing, doing it like the Italians did back in the day start off four families on a farm then they buy the next farm then they grow and and now they're working in towards businesses as well and i think that's just been the main catalyst it's just that perpetual opportunity that griffith offers families have been able to settle and grow they've been able to enjoy affordability um but as that's happened we've just become so diverse and it puts a lot of pressure on everything so when people are coming here for a start um you know, housing is short at the moment. Rentals is tight. I've never seen it like this in 20 years. Um, it's it's phenomenal where those influences keep happening. And then, again, the demand for, for property um, and the investment attraction is the yields. And the reason a lot of other people from out of town look at Griffith and regional areas is they can come and get consistency and stability out here. We've got you know year-on-year data that shows steady growth, steady yield increase, um, you know, and, and that affordability factor. So they're coming in with a lot less money into our marketplaces and the metro areas to invest. And they can build equity and capital quickly, which gives them leverage to then perhaps get back into the metro market. And the metro market allows you to ride that wave of quick capital growth. You cop the drop as well just as quick, but then you get the mm-hmm. ride again. So a lot of people that I've worked with over the years come in and they hedge their bets. They're coming into Griffith. They're coming in and buying a three hundred to four fifty thousand dollar investment. They're getting you know average yields between five and six gross. They're paying down debt at a steady rate. Uh, equity still is growing here, which is good. We look at a, around a year on year average of five to six and a half percent in capital growth. The last five years has been huge um, because yeah. of the shortages. I think we're around that thirty seven percent. Um, which has been a big, big uptake. And then, you know, the metro investors can keep doing what they want to do on the metro level, but get that solid security behind them with cash flow and solid equity ownership to take the risk on the market in in the metro markets. And I've worked with a fair few guys that play that way. We've certainly got our attention, Ange. Um, Give us give us a little bit more breakdown. So I'm I'm interested in what sort of money gets you a quality investment property that's 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 getting those those good gross yields, um, and the and, and in areas where the capital growth has performed really well historically. How, how much have we got to spend? Yeah, look. So on on average, uh, well, the median house price keeps creeping up at the moment. But you could look at a combination of either townhouse villa type properties or 
freestanding um, townhouses, so not not in a, a group of units or, or things like that. Um, but if you can, you know, find those right opportunities, you're going to buy somewhere between high threes and early fours, and you're probably looking at a rental yield of, you know, 400 plus a week on those properties at the moment. Mm, interesting. And and capital growth has, has been fairly, fairly sort of, I guess, stable. It doesn't yeah. have the big peaks and troughs. We don't. So it's just the laws of averages, more like you're the numbers man. You know, if you're walking in and you're spending half a million dollars in Griffith and it drops 10%, you know, it's it's not a huge whack. And the funny thing is, year on year, that's actually never really happened. Um, we haven't had that big that big drop off in pricing. Uh, we tend to level off before we steadily grow again. What about investors that are looking in general to invest in the regions? For example, what what are some important things to know about the Griffith market that you'd be able to uncover with some basic research that you think sort of applies to all regional investing? Uh, key areas. I mean, whilst regional areas or regional towns or cities are that little bit smaller, there's still hotspots. Um, there's hotspots on where the locals like to rebuy. Um, there's hotspots on where, you know, families like to be because of zoning for particular schools. Um, mm-hmm. I think they're important factors. Um, and then because a lot of the larger businesses, they're actually not located right in the heart of Griffith. We're surrounded by some villages, Griffith, uh, Hamwood, Yigali, Yenda in its own right. So, polar opposites to the south is uh steggles by Arda, which is a massive employer employer and then to the north is uh casella wine so if you're looking at property purely on that opportunity you get some good yields in the end of village itself capital growth is very very slow there um but then you come into colina east griffith that's where the consistency is and the combination of family wanting to buy and then you can also lure into the south of Griffith and, and Hamwood to engage um, the labour workers for, for Steggles as well. So I think knowing, you know, where those key triggers are with some basic research, just a little bit of homework on, on the right schools in certain areas for zoning these days as, as Griffith keeps growing. I know it's very important here for families. Um, and then I think depending which age group you're looking to target for certain property type, yeah, that obviously the, the obvious thing is just the location to the CBD too. So... Um, you know, we're, there's a number of factors for Griffith in its own right because of how diverse our community is and, you know, we love food and wine here and certain age groups want to be closer to medical services or they want to be able to walk down the street to be able to do the Melbourne-style, you know, brunch and latte. So I think looking at that property type marry-up um, for what you want to achieve for a target market of tenancy or long-term tenancy that's probably one thing that you could dig a little bit closer in, you know, getting the right spot and then you'll get the double-edged sword. You'll get that nice strong rental return, consistency, and, um, of course, as time goes on, the right capital growth. I don't think I've been to Griffith since about 1997, which is poor timing because it was pre-drinking <laughs> age for me and, uh, you know, there's a pretty big wine culture in Griffith. But can you describe the CBD? What, what does the CBD of, of Griffith look like? And you talked about cafes. Have you got a bit of a, a Melbourneian hipster culture there? Yeah, it's not. It probably doesn't cross over into the into the full hipster side of things, but it's um, it's described on all the council promotions as you know a, a cosmopolitan vibe, and it is really cool the the food that comes out of this place. So you know you've got the main street, which most regional towns have, got this big long stretch, 
uh, which runs all the way from the circle designed by Mr. Walter Burley Griffin and all the way down the other end, which is exits to the north to go to Sydney. And that's this line. It's retail, food. You know, we don't have uh, massive, massive shopping centres here. We've got two. Um, and, you know, the main street's still a nice vibe of activity. It's, uh, it's where, you know, people still go to their mailboxes quite regularly at the post office. They stop and have their chat. You go across the road, you pick up your, your script from the chemist and right next door you jump in and grab your coffee. And it's it's really cool for that for that point. And that's why, you know, for people that are known in town, it takes you two hours to go and buy a loaf of bread sometimes because you run into that mm-hmm. many people that want to stop and have a chat. And then parallel to that, like, you've got the office precinct, um, which is, you know, we solicitors, accountants, um, most real estate offices. And um, and that's Griffith, like a, the main CBD area just in, in two strips. And then you get the satellites in the villages, a um, couple of little little shopping centres to service some of the residential areas. And then the other key central point, which is very close to the middle of town, is the is the medical precinct around the hospital. And I'm guessing that when we're talking about pricing, the most expensive areas are close to the CBD or are there sort of, you mentioned East Griffith as being a little bit of a, of a hot area. Yeah, so... Well, there's a couple of reasons in behind that. Like I said, it depends on the motivation for the buyer. So a lot of downsizing or retiring people feel that need to want to be close to the main services and in particular the hospital. But the beauty about Griffith, a lot of the traditional parts in that precinct are big blocks. So, you know, 1,000 square metre blocks, which are in the process of getting rezoned to have more dense population and development there. Um, it's sort of the natural progression in growth. Anything that's close to those main service areas continually become more and more popular because, you know, houses get built first, further out from the main part of town before any other commercial services come along with it. So at the moment, we're seeing that little bit of magnetism and the energy in and around those central areas. Places like East Griffith are just the next suburb or the next step across. It's funny talking about suburbs here. We don't really have them. It's one postcode. Right, um, right. Yeah, so, you know. So the, how far for, to, is the commute from East Griffith to the CBD? Oh, mate, it is massive, very time-consuming, but it would take a good four minutes in a car. <laughs> right. And it's funny. I think – I think you've lost the uh, the Sydney, Melbourne CBD markets with their annoyance of the commute. Oh, look, you've, um, <laughs> it's, it, it's real funny here. Uh, to give you an idea, new development at the back end of Kalina is probably maybe a 10-minute drive to CBD, maybe 12 on a bad day. You've got one set of lights to get through. And when you talk to people locally, they go down there, oh, you know, geez, do we really want to buy a block of land out here? It's getting so far out. <laughs> right. It's crazy, but we get oh, in a God. car to go anywhere here. Um, but yeah, East Griffith—it's uh, you know that seventies section of town, uh, along with parts of North, and they're um, they're nice little areas. That's where a lot of entry level ho- homes are available um, as far as first homeowner opportunities. You know, late threes, four hundred with some renos done, um, and they you know they're nice affordable properties to come in and get those rental yields that we've been speaking about. Mm, interesting. Well, I'm coming back. Let's go wine tasting. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, Let's talk about the the market such as it is at the moment. You mentioned there's a bit of a, a stock shortage, but what what are some of the stats like days on market, vendor discounting style metrics telling you at the moment? Yeah, so again, we're very fortunate. We because of the low stock, um, Griffith's actually a very strong uh, auction market. 
And, um, you know, that's what's kept days on market down to good averages, uh, even despite corona and things like that. So, you know, we talk 28, 35 days um, before we enter what's called the dead zone in a selling period. So we're very, very fortunate. Our turnaround times are great there. Uh, stock, to give you an idea, some up to June 30 stats, um, there's roughly 300 resi sales in 2680 a year. Um, June 30 this year, there was 86 that we could see um, on data supply. That's from Domain and, and CoreLogic. So, wow. yeah, we're um, we're massively down on volume um, as far as even available transactions, and, and that's where those stock issues are coming from. And why is that happening? Why I mean, it's happening across the country. Transaction volumes have just seemingly plummeted Mm -hmm. is it a reaction to the pandemic is it worry about house prices being a little bit lower and locking in a a loss what can you point towards oh it's it's interesting look no doubt the you know part of the influence there is the current pandemic issues i mean people got nowhere to go so the idea of relocating fully at the moment has probably dropped off the radar for a lot of people um you know maybe some concerns around employment if they do make the move i mean they're all factors griffith though like i said we're a bit unique um with just what happens here i mean we're shaping up for one of the the biggest years on the farms for people because of the nice wet start we've had to the year than what we've seen in a long time so there's a lot of good energy about um yeah, the choice for people to buy a new home or build because of land availability, it's just caught up. Everything's caught up. Um, and, you know, people just don't have those those choices that they did, you know, 10 years ago. I hate talking about the pandemic every episode of the podcast, <laughs> but obviously it's it's dominating the news. And it's something that investors, I think, need to take into consideration when they're looking at regions and your particular one has zero cases as at the time of recording yes do you think the local population of the the regions and places like griffiths will, will suffer a little bit more with the pandemic with things like unemployment or does it really require there to be some sort of um i guess a cluster in your area I think um, this is again nothing to support it this is opinion only but I think um, a cluster in Griffith will have some effect if there's forced closure in particularly in the retail sector um, and, and the hospitality sector to a point but uh, I mean you've heard all the news stories Griffith's diverse guys here think in advance um, so many businesses that you know there's a, there's an Italian restaurant here that's never done deliveries in their 20, 30, 40 year existence. But to um, to make sure they kept going and getting their food on the table, they, they started doing deliveries. I mean, guys here and in businesses here, they'll always look for that next step to to survive or to, to thrive. So that's what sort of gives that energy in around Griffith. Um, I'm not I don't think we're 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 not on the on the short end of the straw with the unemployment side of things um, because of COVID. Um, again, we've been so lucky. Even during the midst of it, even with the lockdown, we, we didn't have. I think we've only had two or three recorded cases in Griffith in the whole scenario. Um, but it'd have to be a real shock, a complete shutdown to have any major major effect. Um, you know, we're lucky the guys on the farms; they're in their tractor on their own, so they can keep working. <laughs> <laughs> They're self-isolating They're by self-isolated. virtue of yeah. just being on the farm. It's interesting you 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 made reference to the sort of um, the buzz around the town yep. being linked to the rain. I mean that's a very foreign concept to a 
to a city dweller or even sort of an almost a, an ex-rural person such as myself. I mean, how much does that play into it and what has been the history in the last little while? I know most of the country's been ravaged by drought. Has that been an issue in Griffith and how much does that impact the house prices? Um, it's... It's interesting because Griffith has become so like diversified so much from the reliance on primary production. It's not the be all and end all on house pricing. So the thing or the energy around rain um, and farming, it just it it extends beyond just the central hub and business of what we do here. So outlying areas don't have access to more insurance around water, um, which is, we joked about it a little bit earlier, but it's it's liquid gold, it's real. Um, water is the, is the blood of this area and, you know, we need it regularly and we need to make sure it's secured for permanent plantings um, on a lot of the big farms. And then the energy around rain is, is double-fold. It means the guys on the dry area parts of town um, you know they're our grain growers and a lot of our stock growers that means that they're getting that nice start for the summer cropping cropping program um, it means that um, you know their confidence is high about having a good year having that moisture to kick off the farming cycle for them for the next run but if it's also happening in the catchments it means our dams filling which means it gives some more insurance around the availability of water for this season and forward seasons which brings cost of production down. That's why we get excited about really start or good wet years and good wet winters because um, it just gives that energy and that trigger to know that all of a sudden one of the core functions in Griffith with farming becomes very real. It becomes very profitable very quickly. Yeah, that's quite amazing. There's a lot of moving parts there and it just goes to show how important that is to, to regional communities. Um Let's talk about you, what made you want to start your agency and, and what sort of services do you offer there in Griffith? Yeah, it's funny. You spoke about my resume about how straight and narrow it looks in sort of this is probably the next step in what was destiny. But um, as far as wanting to start my own business, Mike, I actually got to the point where I guess comfort is one way of describing it. But I was tired um, and I'd, I'd been doing it for a long time and I'd actually made a decision regardless of whatever happened next that I was, was going to have a rest, I was going to sit on the bench. And um, all of a sudden some other conversation happened and, and I'm not doing this on my own, I'm with a, with a business partner, not a local agent. And um, we had some conversations around the idea of, you know, if we're going to do it, we may as well do it now. And the conversations we had just lined up with you know, core values, principles, why we wanted to open our new business and, and open our own real estate office and it just really reignited that spark for what I love doing and you know part of it now is I, I get to do it my way I get to be able to do more for people than what I've ever been able to do and it's it's exciting to be being control of that next step in a career progression so you know those were all factors that that played into you know getting out and doing our own business. That's fantastic. I mean, it's it's you can definitely hear the passion. However, I worry about you. Your your aim was have a rest, but you decided to start your own business. I mean, <laughs> I know from experience, having a rest and starting a business, they're, they're, they're not the same thing. No, mate, complete polar opposites. So um, I <laughs> I uh, I had to spend some time on the sidelines. I worked for a uh, for a, a larger business, a, a 
corporate business. So mm-hmm. um, part of my decision to have a rest was probably forced upon me anyway. So uh, when the conversations happened, yeah, it was a short rest. Uh, there was time to recharge. But because I genuinely love what I do, mate, I was able just to jump in and you know really get stuck into the planning of what we wanted sole property agents to be. So uh, it was a rest. Uh, it's enough for me because, uh, as I said before, crack the whip and I'll work harder. And uh, they just got straight back into it. So it's uh, it's exciting and it's a different energy when you're doing it genuinely for yourself as well. Love it. I love your energy and, and the energy of Griffith. It does sound like a buzzing place and I am keen to come back. I'm wondering for out-of-towners such as myself and perhaps all the other uh, investor listeners out there, how do people normally invest, say, remotely in Griffith? Do you have a lot of buyers agents buying on behalf of investors or do they tend to get in touch with people like yourself and say, look, I'm interested in investing. What are the areas? What are the prices? What are the yields? How do people get in? Yeah, so it, it's interesting. Um, so Griffith, even on a local level but also spreading out, is it's a word of mouth transaction uh, a lot of the times here so people that know people uh, that know people that invest in the area tend to talk to those people they share all the benefits and it happens that way there are no buyers agents here uh, 100% um, that that sort of hasn't been something that's crept into the marketplace um, even from out of town um, buyers agents it's probably a good idea we should be speaking to some to put Griffith on the radar for their for their metro clients to look at another option um, but yeah like they, they do they reach out to people like us there's you know we're on the ground we're here every day part of the services we do is the full suite with uh, with sales and also asset management so you know we're able to have those real conversations with people and if they are and they should be reaching out to us because a lot of us have been here uh, our whole lives have been in the industry for 20 years plus so they're getting you know real information real-time information and uh yeah we are the best point of contact what else should we know about griffith and regions like griffith if we're looking to invest outside of where we live and where we know i think uh, my personal opinion, again, when I look at um, other investment options outside of Griffith is to know the what ifs. Um, I think really, really analysing, you know, you, you, I, I want to describe it like when you look at towns and cities that are heavily reliant just on mining and we've seen, you know, how the roller coaster ride can happen with property prices in and around a mining boom. Um, I think being well aware of certain regional centres' absolute core focus and what happens if that stops? What does that actually mean? That's something that I always look at and always take into consideration. Yeah, and it's a, a very diversified economy, which I think makes it more attractive. And in some of the data that we've shared um, recently, which is data that I hadn't seen uh, around before, the average distance between where people live and where they invest is 293 Ks. And 7.7% of people are investing more than a thousand Ks from where they live. And I I think those numbers are, are likely to continue. So the, the regions are, are definitely going to be sniffed at by investors that are seeking those solid yields and, and for the next growth area that's probably going to have a little bit of a a boost from uh, domestic tourism over the next little while as well. Are you seeing any of those impacts there with people unable to to go to Bali this year? They'll be out to Griffith (laughs) tasting the wines? Yeah, look, there's every chance. Um, I mean, when you're restricted to travel, 
even within your own country, you're going to explore what's available. Uh, <laughs> there's plenty of people you speak to that are saying, okay, look, I'm, I'm sick of looking at the office walls and then sick of looking at home. I need that break. I need to get away. So, yeah, I, I think you're right. And if that happens um, on a state-by-state state level, even at the start, we're probably going to, you know, see people, you know, looking around, looking at the markets, looking at where those opportunities are. So that could be a positive influence. Um, you know, as far as investors considering regional areas like Griffith, you, you get to spend the time and, and look a little bit more closely at what it has to offer. But I think, um, you know, one, it's just an interesting period of time. I mean, where, where those choices are going to be for people. And if you're looking to invest, I think having the clear strategy as to why you're investing and, and what you want to achieve. I mean, we can all talk about the black and white stuff. Uh, we need, you know, good yields. We need capital growth. We need this. We need that to happen. Um, I honestly think that with everything that's happening, people are probably going to look at a bit more of that strategic investment. Regional people buying out of our area in the reverse aspect, um, you know, we, we try to look at opportunities for our children do we buy property close to unis where they might attend um you know that's one of the big influences here where we're sending our kids to school you know for university studies um, a lot of people do leave and do that and um holiday destinations so uh, is there going to be that that reshift in a push where people are genuinely back in the marketplace for the holiday house because they're not spending 20 30 grand on an overseas trip I mean, they're, they're the things that I think about and um, and I, I can, you know, probably see where conversations could lead down that path. It's, um, you know, people are always looking, you know, for that little next place to visit or that next place to go for a break that's not at home. So they could be some more influences that come back in. Time will tell. Ange, how do people get in touch with you if they wanted to have a chat? Yeah, look, we're, uh, we're obviously online. We, we, you can reach us through our, our social pages, um, our website, which is solepropertyagents.com.au. Um, but they're the main points of contact. All our numbers, our email addresses are there. And, um, and yeah, you can definitely, definitely reach out with any questions. Beautiful. Now, we may have covered this at one point, but I want to ask you the final question. If you can impart one piece of advice to property investors, what would it be? I think... The biggest thing right now, and it's conversations that I'm happening or having with, with clients, it's 2020. People expect more. The ideal of speaking, in particularly residential tenancies, speaking about lines in saying, oh, I'm not going to paint that wall because it's just a rental. I'm not going to replace that carpet. It's just a rental. It's going to get ruined. The mindset has to shift. People um, have a certain level of expectation. Um, in, in the modern era, they want things to be nice and uh, maintained. And at the end of the day, it's that clear plan on investing to have that, that strategy, is it long-term, short-term, for whatever reason, maintaining all these crucial aspects are only going to allow you to get the maximum benefit at any period of time from your investment property. Beautiful. I love it. I think that's great advice, Ange, and it's been a pleasure having a chat to you. Thanks for joining me. No worries, Mike, and thanks for having me. It's been been fantastic. Enjoyed the chat. Cheers.